That's what editing does. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> yes. She's the editing fairy. She is the editing fairy. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Listeners, this is Melissa, and welcome to the 60th episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Because this episode number is a multiple of 15, it is time for our fourth off-topic extravaganza. If you have been listening to us for a while, you already know what this means, but if you're new, here's what's going on. Our episodes are heavily edited, mostly because we are drunk when we record. You know, let's just be honest about that. We are drunk. Uh, most of the things that we cut out are things that nobody will miss, like ums and ahs and long spaces and announcements that we need to go to the bathroom. But sometimes we simply go off on a tangent that may sometime be entertaining. So we save all the entertaining clips until we can just make a whole episode out of them. It's kind of like Voltron, but with less planning. The audio bits you are about to hear were recorded between November 2014 and February 2015. The audio quality will vary, the subject matter will wander, and our drunkenness, well, you know the drill. You will also hear the sonorous voices of Pat Harrigan, Kelvin Hatley, David Justin, Barb Lind, Megan Murphy, Gordon Smooter, Sharon Steitler, and Noel Thingvall. Please enjoy our fourth off-topic celebration. I but, keep looking at the mic like I'm talking yes. to you. Yeah, I don't know what uh, well, oh, I make eye contact with the microphone all the Just time. Just so you know, I'm making eye contact with you as you're listening right now because I respect you as a person. I will say, did you say even or odd numbered episode? Uh, even numbered episode. I will say, episodes. it does have more tangents. It is interesting. Episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, the tangents wind <laughs> up in the the off topic episodes. Because so fun. much gestures. She did a little diagram. I, with and her I kind of lunge with my point. do a whole but... montage of me saying, so John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know, right? Yeah. Um, I got genotyped okay. the, over this last year, and and one of the things they discovered, I am partly immune to HIV. Really? I have the that mutation because you were you were so involved in risky behaviors. You. What does partly no. immune mean? Though? Well, um, you have two copies of every gene, mm-hmm. right? And you have variations depending on whether you got it from your mother or your father. Um, there is a rare gene variant that if you have one copy of it, you're partly immune because you basically have half that amount of receptors mm-hmm. on on your cells. And if you have two copies, you're mostly immune. Okay. Because there's no place for HIV to latch on. Okay. Okay. That's kind of has. I much think I, it's risk. weird, isn't That's it? Cool. I totally want to get genotyped. It's I'll, cheap these days. Yeah, it's gotten a lot cheaper since David did it, David mm-hmm. Tyler. And he yeah. was like, you should do this. There's I'm a like, deal. This is there's a deal Every right now. It's, there's, yeah. there's a two for deal right now. If you There's like, you buy one for regular price and then the second person gets like 20 bucks off. Fess and I did it at the same time because we got the same deal last year. How much? Okay, what? you should send me the email on that. Yeah, 23 and me. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. That's it's, cool. It, it, it's really neat. That's cool. I wonder if they'll tell me why I'm so short. <laughs> <laughs> they found that out about Richard the Third just today. Oh yes. Yeah. They there there's some he's there's some break like his his mother's line mm-hmm. is correct, but somewhere yeah. in his father's line it's not correct. So Ooh. and there had been rumors that like John of Gaunt was illegitimate was illegitimate, ah. and so it's like the whole. Late Plantet. Are we surprised? They were all fucking around. They They had nothing better to do. And they were like, how how could you even tell is how I want to. It's like they're constantly marrying first cousins. Everybody looks alike. Yeah. I mean, when you go and look at Victoria's family, it's like no matter how far flung they came from Russia, they came from Germany. It's like you all look similar. Partially that's just because they were healthy and everybody else wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But it reminded me what you said about that terrible Anne Rice book. Was it um, the Mummy? No, Queen of the Damned. That all all bad books. But there's another one. It might be Queen of the Damned. The one where they talk about the twins, the red-haired twins from Africa. Anyway, I read these books. Mm -hmm. They weren't good. I knew them when I was reading them. I knew they weren't good when I was reading them. So, but there was one thing I liked about it, which was. these red-haired twins who became vampires, but before they became vampires, they had children. And uh, over the centuries, they have tracked their children, mm-hmm. but only because they came from a tribe that only tracked through the mother's line, because that's the only line you can guarantee. Yep, so it's yep. matriarchal. And I was like, and at the time I read that, which was late 80s, it was not a bombshell as much as it was sort of a thank you very much for acknowledging this. It is stupid to trace by paternity. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. All I right. love the word luggage. The word lug is just in there. Lug. Lug is lug, a great word. Yeah. Luggage. Luggage. The age of lug. Dodgeball is a yeah. super fucking hilarious movie. It is. So you want to hear my dodgeball story? What? It was showing on a plane. We were coming back from, I think it was Ireland. I wasn't watching it because I was like, oh, dodgeball? No, whatever. But everyone else on the plane was, and they had the headphones on, so I couldn't hear it, and I wasn't watching it. But simultaneously, everybody on the plane went, <laughs> and like cringed at exactly the same moment. Well, what was that? I don't know to this day what it was. Was it that you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball? Or it might be, I drink my own piss. It might be sterile, but I enjoy the taste. It was shocking. It was like something surprised everyone. God only knows. There's a lot of moments like that. Okay. Dodgeball is a better movie, again, than it has any right to be. Yeah, it's it is super enjoyable, just like Zoolander. It's very much the same vibe of I am surprised by how competent this movie is in its in the way that it delivers its laughs. Ben Stiller is weirdly competent in making movies. And we we still haven't learned. And he does characters that I don't like. And yet I laugh at mm-hmm. or he does characters that I don't like, but the rest of the movie around them is super, super enjoyable. And I'm like, well, like, wow, I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know what to feel about this. He, he has discovered a weird alchemy that Sasha Baron Cohen has yet to discover. Very nicely put and very apt. Yes. Yes. Okay. Side I'm glad note. this is on recording because I won't remember it later. Side note, uh, this is how deep Zoolander runs. So I'm at roller derby practice and one of the 
referees, right? There's a lot of moments during roller derby where somebody's talking and explaining something. And if you know what they're explaining already, you're like, hmm. So you look around and you make eye contact, right? Mm -hmm. This is what happens in roller derby at practice. And so I make contact, eye contact with this this referee, Henry, Henry Slay. And I look at him. He's a tiny little guy. He's super adorable. He's like a baby face. I look at him and we both do the sort of the chin nod up, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, how's it going? Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I actually said it out loud to him. Like, mm -hmm. how you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm working on my blue steel. <laughs> and I just, I just fucking lost it. If you could see his baby face and then this sort of face he made, I'm like, that was hilarious. And I'm like, holy shit, Zoolander, a movie that I hate, I hated the concept of that I didn't even want to watch it for years, has now infiltrated this far into my life. Mm. Listen to the. Oh. Yeah, total byline. Um, a lot of the way modern football is shot on TV is all credit to a Japanese director who was brought Ooh. over to America who knew nothing about football. Ooh. So he'd he'd focus on things you wouldn't think of doing. Like he'd focus in on the football and he'd focus in on these really kind of strange abstract things like focus in on the guys on the sideline and 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 it it was all very dramatic, but it was all because this guy didn't really understand football. Right. So he kind of honed in Do on any these. Do of us really understand the, football? Well, that's very true. But, you know, he was he was focusing in on these kind of strange abstract elements because these are the things he found interesting. And so much of how we see football today <laughs> is because of this guy. Early, I love it. Early 50s, Robert Altman was doing documentary shorts, modern football, better football, other shorts. <laughs> Ah, uh, huh. oh, wonderful! Mash huh. was like his fourth movie, but I think that was like his big breakthrough. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. To which I say, huh. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. I We're made on. a Terry Thomas face at you because I was still making a Terry Thomas face because Terry Thomas yes, is awesome. I understood that. I know. No. <laughs> no, Noel just made a Terry Thomas face. It was so white man's overbite. All right. Okay. <laughs> Terry Thomas, I'm the most British man. Hello. Basically, Hello. just take his scenes from It's a Man, 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 Man World. That's Terry Thomas. Yeah. Terry Thomas originated the white man's overbite. Yes. He did. I think he did. Hello. Hello. I am white. So Caucasian. <laughs> did you notice? I'm very Caucasian. <laughs> All I remember is like like the last oh, trip I was oh, on, on the trains. It's uh... <laughs> like... You are on the Piccadilly line. <laughs> Final destination, Cockfosters. <laughs> Mind the gap. And she said that at every destination, no matter where we got. You are riding the Piccadilly line. Final destination, Cockfosters. <laughs> Say cock again, Sharon. Cock. Cockfosters. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. You want to listen for Welsh guys after the pubs close? Okay. And this is the sound you want to listen for. Hey. <laughs> and when you hear that sound, you can go there and you can drink as much of their scotch and whiskey as you want. <gasps> Holy fuck. That's, really? all, that's the secret you need to know is you just need to listen for a Welsh guy. Really? Hey. Now, how many Welsh guys do I find up near the border of Scotland? You'd be surprised. Yeah. Okay, awesome. 
they're everywhere. So it's like finding Iowans in Minnesota. Yeah, really. Okay, yeah. awesome. Right. Yeah, they're everywhere. I've even found Welsh guys in the Twin Cities. I, I have two. We probably found the same Welsh guy. <laughs> we have probably. <laughs> He gets around. He does get around. He's a tenor. Yeah. Yeah, we know the same Welsh guy. <laughs> Before I open this, do we want to open this? <laughs> do we want to commit to another bottle of wine? The, the the peeling off the foil was a reflex action. I should ask before we open this, are we going to kill another bottle of wine? I don't know about kill. Should we make a game run at it? <laughs> There is still wine. <gasps> I didn't realize I had to drink all my wine. Oh my god. It's a miracle. Hair of the dog is actually a thing that works, FYI. I've heard that many times. Mm -hmm. More effective yeah. is pooping. <laughs> it's true. I'm just if you I've heard you that, I've heard I've heard this from you before, yes. If you did not know that, listeners, I have other people will also verify it that one of the best ways to make yourself feel better the next morning is get the poisons out. Yeah, yeah, clean the sewer. <laughs> Your face right now, Kevin. You're so delighted with yourself. <laughs> ah, poop jokes. That was a really great buttnumathon because that was the buttnumathon of May. Yeah, yeah we it, had gotten May that, earlier in the evening. Have you seen May? Not yet. I ha I oh, have. Okay. Oh my god, I you totally it. need to watch May. May is fantastic, and so we'd gotten this very intimate creeping character study of a horror film and then they're like oh rob zombies house of a thousand corpses no, and everybody's like no they didn't say what it was that's the thing and it was it was a hotly um this this was a movie that was in production hell for like three years and everybody was very mm -hmm. excited about it and i remember very clearly because i was sitting next to jay knowles to see to watch this movie this yeah, was my first right. this was my first buttnumathon so i'm sitting next to jay and harry goes up there and says i'm not even going to tell you what this is we're just going to roll it and it starts it, it starts rolling and sid hags on there in the clown makeup oh, and, the clown and, makeup. We're and, and they're in and, a convenience store in, in a, and there's this whole yeah, like it's scenario wonderful. and then they get they get turned out and then it's just and the oh, first yeah. 20 minutes is Sid Haig and this clown makeup and it's yeah. great and everybody's yeah. like holy shit well, what are you watching this is fantastic yeah and I'm and I'm sitting next to to Father Geek and I go and I'm going is this what I think it is and he goes maybe I go is this House of a Thousand Corpses and he go <laughs> and he just kind of giggles at me and 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 I'm like oh my god this is oh, gonna be and awesome. it started so great and everybody's like oh this will be great. We've already seen May. Yeah. So our horror sensors are already primed and ready. And this looks like it might even take it to the next level. And we're like, yes, give it to us. Oh, so hard. And then it never delivered. It was such a cock tease of a horror film. <sighs> it was boring. I got bored. There came a point during House of a Thousand Corpses where I thought I could have fallen asleep. I could have been sleeping through this. And remember, it's like three in the morning and there is a point in Buttnumathon where part of you goes, okay, at some point, I'm probably going to need to catch at least 45 minutes of Shut Eye. Mm -hmm. Is this the movie I want to do that to? And I got mostly to the end of A House of a Thousand Corpses and went, shit, I could have fucking slept through this. <laughs> God damn it. Rob Zombie, the problem with Rob Zombie is that he loves the exploitation era 
flicks, and but he doesn't have a complete understanding of what makes them work. So he's he's aping the the surface detail without knowing how to See, make I, the impression yeah. i've always gotten is he's too too much texas chainsaw massacre 2 not enough texas chainsaw massacre 1 agreed nicely, absolutely agreed. Ni- nicely phrased mr yeah. thingval yeah All right. and i i saw him speak at uh san diego comic-con many many years ago like many right before ago. when i was at san diego comic-con no 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 I, it was right before the uh his remake of halloween came out and somebody in the audience asked him something that would require him to internalize a little bit about what halloween was actually about and he just completely dismissed the questions like i don't even i don't think about this stuff it just tossed it off i don't think about meaning or plot yeah. oh oh no Technical difficulties. I still haven't seen Orange is the New Black season two. Me, See, yeah. these are all the problems that I you live You can do with. Constantine. I just started that. I saw the first three episodes. There's, it doesn't have David Bowie in it at all. No, but, it uh, It's all right. But they were okay. Right. But it was okay. I never right. hated on the Keanu Reeves movie the same way other people did. I, I did because he was my favorite comic character. But I accepted it on its own terms and they got... It's got Tilda Swinton in it. It's got Tilda Swinton. The female Swinton. David Bowie. The female David Bowie. And yep. it's got a lot of the tone right. And when you just sort of accept it on its own terms, it's like, mm, you know what? There's things to like about here. Also, Peter Stamare. Mm-hmm. I know. I. The supporting cast like... of that movie is fucking brilliant. Well, I can't meet you halfway on this, Wendy, but uh, I, it's I, okay. I, I acknowledge your position and its right to exist. <laughs> You guys have seen Mr. Vampire, right? Oh, I adore Mr. Vampire. I haven't, but I'm sure she has. I adore Mr. Vampire. I I have Chinese vampire. I have the first four movies on DVD. Do you have the one that was the crossover with The Gods Must Be Crazy? I've never found a copy of that. What? I have a a torrent of it, but it's a double sequel. It's a double sequel. It's like God's or it's um, Mr. Vampire Five slash Gods Must Be Crazy Three. Because instead of a Coke bottle falling out of the plane and meeting a Bushman, it's a Chinese hopping vampire. Yep. It, it, falls, <laughs> it is. It, it is. It is. <laughs> oh, my God. That such a thing exists in the world. So oh, I yeah. found a copy of this, but it doesn't have subtitles. <gasps> but I'm not sure whether it matters. Like, I mean, what kind of communication can <laughs> a hopping Chinese vampire and an African Bushman really have? Right. Like, how much dialogue can there possibly be? <laughs> Okay, so Mr. It, it, it's not a Hammer film. This is total tangent time. But Mr. Vampire is a uh, Japanese, not Japanese, it's Hong Chinese. Kong. It's a Hong Kong horror comedy, and um, it's a a mortician and his two bumbling assistants who are, um, you know, working on burying people um, in like nineteen twenties Hong Kong, if I remember right. It's I like maybe, a, I remember. like the 1880s or something like that it's like a period piece but but it's also a comedy so as as they're going through their mortuary business occasionally they encounter vampires and dealing with them so like they also have a neighboring mortician who has like a a uh, a set of clients which are basically vampires he just keeps placated and he like takes them on walks at night but they're but they're chinese vampires which means they hop like bunnies because they have rigor mortis so they have to hop mm-hmm. <laughs>
And keeps them and they, docile by putting they, uh, things put, on their forehead, little bits of parchment. Yeah, with... little little prayer scrolls, little yellow pr- prayer scrolls. If you stick them to their forehead, they're they're docile and they'll listen to your your commands. Okay. But but it's it's this situation, and there is like a series of vignettes of the the misfortunes that befall these people, these morticians, and and their. And then an elder shows up. An elder Chinese yeah. vampire. The elder Chinese vampire shows up, and he doesn't you know, just hop. He doesn't just hop. He kind of lumbers after people, and oh no! And uh, yeah, there there's like a lady vampire that tries to seduce one of the younger uh, bumbling guys. Okay, you need to show me this. It is hilarious. All right, and, and the and the martial arts are amazing mm-hmm. because Sammo Hung worked on on yep. the movie, and and Sammo Hung Fu stuff. Yeah. It, it, the 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 action is astonishing the stunts are amazing they're beautiful there's a scene toward the end uh, one of the things that you do apparently to trap a chinese vampire mm-hmm. is that you get them tied up in string with ink on yep. it so there's this complicated thing at the end where they're jumping around and kung fu fighting the vampire, but also kind of pulling string behind them and wrapping mm-hmm. it around different stuff. So at the end of it, it's this big network or cobweb of string that traps the guy. When okay. They finally wrap it around him. Yeah. And they're, they're amazing fall stunts and, and, and leaping stunts. It, it's, it's really beautifully choreographed from a fighting side. Okay. It, it's amazing. And then there are sequels. <laughs> Do you know Kate Moss wore a David Bowie costume? And it was like David Bowie's costume from the 70s when he was like totally on like lots of cocaine. What's it, what's it that, that thing with the one sleeve yes, and yes, the not one sleeve? Yes. And the Kate Moss wore that. <gasps> That's how skinny Bowie was at his drug height. I... I can believe that, and I we like talked what? about that on the co- on the we podcast did. that just came out. He was super like not healthy. Yeah, no, he, no, no, he no. was like heroin thin. It was, like, and that's totally what it was. And so, like a friend of mine went to the David Bowie exhibit in Chicago, and she was talking about that outfit. She's like, "Yeah, Kate Moss wore that exact outfit." And I suddenly remembered the picture of Kate Moss in the outfit, and I was like, "I thought that was a replica." She's like, "No," and she said, "I saw the outfit." She's like, "It was super tidy," but now he's like yeah. filled out. Yeah, I I like him better now. Yeah, honestly, I'll has... take David Bowie. However, I can get him. I've seen the bulge in the spandex. I'm <laughs> David Bowie, 1980s Jareth. David Bowie. I would climb that like a tree. Decade. David Bowie, any decade. I would climb his hair like a tree. I'd be like grabbing his hair, like, excuse I... me, I'm gonna hold this up. What David Bowie lacks in an ass, he makes up for in just kinkiness. Yes. So I'm all about that. Show me something I don't know. I feel like he could. I think he could. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like he knows things. I feel like he does too, and I want to know Mick Jagger things. taught him. I, I, want... I think he... I think if anybody taught David Bowie anything, I think Iggy Pop taught him shit. Yeah, probably. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's His name you're... is Mock. Thanks and, a lot. And he, would, and he would teach me, and I would learn things, and I would be wiser. And I would be so grateful. And I would know things now many valuable things that I hadn't known before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anything. Anything. Oh. <laughs> We've gone far afield. <laughs> so we did already talk about Labyrinth a bit. Did we want to add Could it? we ever exhaust Labyrinth? So... <laughs> well, we Those did do... pants, that <laughs> wig, his... Oh, my God, he is so charismatic. I mean... Honestly, this is a movie where 
it is not David Bowie. And mm-hmm. considering how many of the movies we've mm-hmm. talked about where it's just, hello, I'm David Bowie. This is me being David Bowie and adding my particular David Bowie-ness to this project. Here's a movie where he actually is doing something a little different. And there is such beautiful melancholy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's really invested in this movie. He's not just in there for a few scenes. He's in for the entire thing. He does the music. He's actually acting a role. Yeah. Um, I mean, the music's not great, as we said, but his melancholy, especially toward the end, is so... It's something... Because I actually saw this movie in the theaters when it first came out. And I was right on the cusp of that age where I was a little bit too old for it but it still worked for me. So the melancholy he displayed at the end was perfectly in tune to my burgeoning adolescent angst. Did you cry? No, 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 no. But I thought he was disturbingly attractive, (laughs) (laughs) especially when he was white and gaunt. I'm like, wow, you're hotter when you're dying. What is that about? I don't understand my hormones. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but when he's all like in the at the very end, when he's in the white version of his costume and he's all sort of pasty with the circle under his eyes, I was like, (laughs) I don't know why, but I find you very attractive right now. Hi. Oh, I'm seeing this movie with my grandma, (laughs) 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 who brought me because there were Muppets, and she hasn't acknowledged the fact that I'm older than that now. Seriously, truth. <laughs> oh, okay, anyway. Thank you for that little window. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first see Labyrinth? Oh, it was probably about a year after it was released in theaters, when it hit cable. How old would you have been? Because I had well, to, what see. year was it? It was. I would have been about 11. Yeah, I was 16, 15 yeah, or 16. Yeah, see, you were, you were, you were primed. You were primed right there. I was primed for the David Bowie hitting my sort of limbic system. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, pants. Yeah. That's a lot. And as we have discovered with Howard Keel, I am a sucker for some long legs. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are some long legs. Those were some very long legs and some very tight pants. Yeah, see, at age 11, I was still, hey, Muppets. Yeah, so my grandma should have taken you to the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I did love that poofy fucking dress she wore. I was like, oh, I'm not girly, but that's some amazing shits. <laughs> oh, my God, it's enormous. And her hair goes so far back. It's like the alien. <laughs> Seriously, her hair in that movie, there's sort of an alien. If you watch it, there's a curvature to her hair that is very reminiscent of the alien's head. Mm-hmm. I never made that connection before. (laughs) Go watch it. Go look at pictures. You're going to be like, holy shit. I'll never look at Jennifer Connelly the same way. Her hair is a penis. (laughs) (laughs) Well then. What's next, Melissa? Move on. Jennifer Connelly, if you're listening, your hair is a penis. (laughs) No, I I do got to say that, uh, uh, yes, Xanadu... uh, Kind oh, of primed the Art Deco thing in my head. Oh yeah. oh yeah, along with big band music. But what it what it prepared me for was the Rocketeer later on. Oh, the oh. Rocketeer was a glorious thing. Oh, so good. Oh <coughs> they yeah. They showed that in my high school. It was like a, we like got a bunch of good grades, and they're like, "We're going to show you a movie," and it was the Rocketeer. But yeah, oh. that makes total sense how it would prepare you for the Rocketeer. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've not seen The Rocketeer, I highly recommend it, especially if you're into Jennifer Connelly. And, or Timothy Dalton. Or Timothy Dalton. Um, or both. Or 
Bill Pullman. No, Not Bill, Bill Pullman. Uh, Bill, um, Bill Campbell. 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 Bill Campbell. Oh, Bill Campbell. Yeah. Who's in The Fall, and he's brilliant in The Fall. Oh, yeah. Dear listeners, Gordon once built... Not The Fall. ...a Rocketeer outfit. Actually, Not I built a Rocketeer fall. outfit before the movie came out. Oh my god, you did? Because it was based on the comic book. Yeah, uh, the beautiful, uh, Dave Stevens, right? Dave Stevens. Yeah, uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art. That's, that's, that's what I picked up on first. Um, Um, I I didn't realize that. I bought the hard copy version of the Rocketeer segments all Mm -hmm. put together, uh, and I bought it at the old Shinders. Uh, which one? Uh, Wait, which corner of the block did you go to? The, the tore down corner. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, I, what happened was I, I went in and I saw it and I was just absolutely stunned by the artwork. And I crossed my fingers. I took it and I stuck it way at the back of the shelf. Mm-hmm. And then I went home for a week and found enough money to come back and pay the fifteen ninety five that it cost. Mm-hmm. And I bought it and fell in love with the Rocketeer. But... The Rocketeer holds a special place in Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome history because that <laughs> yeah. is the movie that capped our recording with Rob Callahan, where we were so drunk, none of us really remember finishing the podcast. Suddenly we were watching The Rocketeer, yeah. and then I woke up the next morning and Rob Callahan was still on my couch. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So if I want Rob Callahan on my couch, I just need to show him Rocketeer? Well, he had never seen it, but he professed a love for Jennifer Connelly, and we're like, if you love Jennifer Connelly, this is the movie you need to see, because mm-hmm. she is hot. It's, it's the best she's ever looked. Is oh, it before great. her breast reduction? Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she yeah. loves she was. Yeah, she had. Yeah, she's... like it was like sometime after that point, she she got him downsized. She yeah. really is that what she did? Well, I she seriously did that. Well, I well, mean, for her though, I mean, it could have been a back issue. I think Hollywood got to her. She was and, luscious. And she... No, she did. She had a rack. Yeah, she was. Luscious. But I remember like watching. Was like, there's something different. And then there was like an interview. She's like, yeah, I had him downsized. You know, and leg warmers on us, they're not leg warmers. They're like thigh warmers. Seriously. they just go up that high. They go up that high. They just don't look as good. Also, I have I have those really thick calves. Yeah. And so a leg warmer just goes to the thickest part, and then I just look like I've got cankles. Cankles, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It, it is true. I have tried. I tried the leg warmer look because I was like, I want to do the leg warmers with high heels and a peasant dress. And I was like... Why Why do I look like my legs are all the same width? What happened? You, you look like you've got elephant legs. It does. And then you understand. go downstairs and you drag your foot and you start doing lines from the elephant man. And your mom is like, stop imitating John Hurd. And it's, it's so true. I know. It's so true. I've got amazing fucking calves right now because I've been playing roller derby for five years. I mean, like, seriously, the muscle, the musculature and the definition and, like, there's some shit going on even in my feet. It I looks amazing. And you put a leg warmer on and it's just like, look at your fat fucking legs. You know, here's what happens is the leg warmer is for people who don't have the amazing calves you have. It's true. Right. You are yeah. meant it's to have, like, the... You, you just show that calf off and screw everybody. Screw you. Yeah, screw you. I'm gonna, like, put some form-fitting shit on this calf and you're gonna look at it and weep. Whereas, like, everyone else is like, I have okay calves. They're not bad. <gasps> leg warmers. God, my calves look great now. You just get that without the leg warmer. <laughs> there you go. Theory. Alright, sorry, sorry. Hypothesis. Have a theory. <laughs> Uggs are the modern equivalent of leg warmers. <gasps> oh. Dear listeners, personally, <laughs> I would like to think of Xanadu as the prelude to Skate Town, USA. <laughs>
Well, you can personally think that. I, I really, I really do because at the end of Xanadu, the natural continuation is Patrick Swayze doing a sexy belt dance. You still have not shown us. That. I need to show that to you guys because. You guys have not been blown away. So by is this the sexy like what was dance. on the cutting room floor for the Xanadu finale? It's like, yeah. we've got this really hot guy doing a belt dance. Yeah. Like like they found Patrick Swayze dancing at Disneyland and they went, You you're a new star. Well, actually he's playing a villain, but you know, <laughs> he, he does his villain things by doing a sexy belt dance on roller skates. I think that's a that's a double feature with Roadhouse. I know, right? <gasps> it, it is. It is. It is. God, we could even get a little Sam Elliott action. <laughs> that mustache Love tickles that stash. so good. I know, right? <laughs> right all over everything. That I had... am so in the wrong room. <laughs> that, that makes me so Tickle, 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 tickle. <laughs> Sam gets like an automatic I... pass to every female... <laughs> Let's... I so don't want to be tickled by Sam Elliott. I just don't. <laughs> That's okay. You can give him to me. Even if you okay, don't want to, fine. when it happens, you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I hear Sam Elliott from behind me saying, just let it happen, no. <laughs> hang in a, I know you think Sam Elliott behind you is the way to go. You really want him in front. You do. That mustache. That mustache that is going to be... better in the front. <laughs> it's going to be a game changer. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> You're gonna, be like, you're gonna be like, I don't know what's happening, but I like it. No, oh, hey, Fuller Freshman. <laughs> I think I made a reference that anybody under thirty doesn't know what that means. I'm over thirty. That's okay. Nobody under thirty has seen fucking Xanadu. <laughs> Will he bring the pizza? <laughs> will the pizza come? The pizza will just die up there, alone, unloved, unloved. It'll sit there slowly getting colder and nobody eating it. Why, God, why? You gotta take it to the next level, though. You gotta do spicy bacon mayo. Spicy, spicy bacon, bacon mayo. mayo. <laughs> what do you do? You just put like bacon. Is that is that bacon? Yeah. Have we? Oh, have there, I, there is no bacon in bacon. <laughs> do, do you guys know about deep fried bacon? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because do you know okay. who you're talking to. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Wendy, while we were in Austin, <laughs> more recently, Wendy discovered you could deep. Fry bacon. I discovered somebody was willing to deep fry bacon for me at a restaurant. Because I said to the waitress, because I was ordering breakfast, I said, I would like my bacon extra crispy. And she looked at me and said, well, I could throw it in the deep fryer for you. And my face went, what? (laughs) Did we all hear that? Right? I heard that. There wasn't like some sort of fugue state I went into. She just said you could deep fry bacon for me. Yes. So, so in in Wendy's pleasure dome, <laughs> ever since has been deep fried bacon. It shatters in your mouth. Mm. It just, it just explodes into pieces in your mouth. It's like flavored shrapnel. <laughs> My favorite kind of shrapnel too. Everywhere I went for the rest of that trip, I'm like. Do you have bacon? Could you deep fry it? I, I witnessed this every single restaurant we went to. Breakfast or not. I just deep fried bacon. Deep fried bacon. Do you have bacon? 
could you deep fry it? One waiter was confused. Did you want us to batter it? I'm like, no. <laughs> you should have said yes. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? I, I have I have done Add a little Snickers bar to that, please. Deep, <laughs> you know, batter it. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bacon wrapped bars. Oh, fried. Deep, deep fried bacon wrapped Snickers <gasps> bar. Oh, oh, I just decided that, that we're going to do. I at the do, state fair. I'm telling you. I was going to say, do we need to start like a state fair booth next year? <laughs> yes. Yes. Deep fried wrapped candy bars. We'll make a bazillion dollars. Yes, we will. Oh my God, people would buy it. Yes, I would buy it. I'd be like, I don't know if it's good, but I'm gonna eat it. (laughs) Well, hello, you. You're going in my mouth hole. Oh my God. (laughs) You have just killed an entire generation of Minnesotans. (laughs) Oh, killed. With joy. <laughs> joy. Yeah. I am full of joy. Honestique. Honestique. That's right. It's got to be honestique. Honestique. Yes. <laughs> we could do the regular size bars. We could do the mini size bars. <gasps> oh. You know what? I kind of I kind of want to deep fry the bacon and, and crumple it. <gasps> fry, it fry it up and crumple it. And then roll, roll the bar in the crumpled up bacon. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, if we do the mini bars, we could do flights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shish kebabs. <laughs> yeah, shish kebabs. Skewers. Shish kebabs. <laughs> on. Oh, that's brilliant. Ah, yeah. Oh. And then we'll just fry it all in human fat, just bringing it back around to sweet <laughs> <Right>. time. <laughs> and <Yep>. scene. <laughs> when i was i was teaching out at a high school and there came a point where i decided to put together a sort of a review night at because these kids didn't have an actual theater teacher i was just doing shows with them and i'm like okay you guys need to be exposed to some classics of various things so let's put together some scene work so that you can get exposed to maybe some Ionesco, some Beckett. We could do some classic stuff. We did a couple of musical numbers. And then I picked out the two two seniors who were about to graduate who were the two, two of the best performers. They were fantastic performers. And I said, you two are going to do a little priest. Now, what was funny is I had somebody else delivering a song from a chorus line where they actually cuss in the song. They say shit. And the woman who was our musical accompanist was a mother of a high school student. And I checked in with her. I'm like, that's going to be okay that she says shit, right? She's like, yeah, that's fine. She's like, if you want to know what I'm concerned about, it's a little priest. That is really seriously messed up. Although, and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's 30 years old at this point. And she's like, I don't know if that's going to play. And I'm like, trust me, people are going to love it. And these two kids had never heard Sweeney Todd. And so when we first started, when we first played it, they were just like, and I said, this is what's going on. And they're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, they were fantastic. I was so proud of them. I did read a biography of Jerome Robbins. Oh. Which was also very interesting. Nice. Um, Ethel Merman drove him crazy and gypsy. I bet she did. Because he wanted a naturalistic portrayal. He was the director choreographer of, of the Broadway show. He wanted also Zero Mostel. 
he <laughs> drove him crazy because he wanted naturalistic portrayals mm-hmm. because he was very much about, I want this to feel honest. Mm-hmm. And of course, Ethel Merman and Sierra Mostel, they were show people. Yeah. And they were, and he was so proud of Ethel Merman and he had gotten her to like truly deliver an, a great performance of Mama Rose and the minute the crowds came in, she just abandoned it all and had oh. to turn to them and bow. Like, yes, it's me, Ethel Merman. <laughs> Hello. And he's just like, oh, I fucking hate these people. <laughs> now, did Jerome Robbins do West Side Story? That is Jerome Robbins. That okay. is his most... I, I'm learning. I'm learning. You are learning. learning. And like I said, that very athletic style, leaping about. Jerome Robbins was originally a ballet dancer. So, and when you know that and you watch his choreographed oh, yeah. style. You, you, can, you can see that in West Side Story. Definitely. Um, it's the difference between Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. Yeah. I mean... Gene Kelly, ballet trained. Mm-hmm. You can see it in his lines. Fred Astaire, much more uh, vaudeville. Yeah. Right? Sort of loose-limbed. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to watch Fosse take this middle road between. He wasn't ballet trained. And so he didn't have the... He didn't put lines into his dance in the same way that Robbins or Kelly did. Mm-hmm. But he did put lines into his dance. They were just weird ones. So if you watch, he'll he'll thrust the hips forward and have you take your shoulders all the way back and then have your arms drop straight down to the floor. And so there is a line, but it's weird. It's, <laughs> it's just all wrong. What the hell is that about? Gotta pee. Gotta pee. Gotta, 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 gotta pee. <laughs> Broadway rhythm. It's got pee. Everybody, Everybody pee. <laughs> there was the time, oddly enough, it was at a cast party for Godspell. <laughs> That's an auspicious beginning. Right? I know, right? And the young man playing Jesus was a he was a host at one of the downtown swanky restaurants. Mm-hmm. That's where he made it. And he was a pretty boy. So he made a lot of money doing the host thing. Well, as it turns out, this swanky restaurant would clear out its wine cellar like every six months Ooh. so that they could get a new stock in. Yeah. And they would sell their stock to their staff at a deep discount. Good God. So he picked up like 10 bottles of wine for like 5 to $10 a bottle <laughs> of wine that was normally like a hundred dollars a bottle. Right. So there we are at a theater party, <laughs> a theater cast party after one of the performances, and he's pulling out these super duper expensive bottles of wine. In. And I have always maintained, for the most part, you can't really tell the difference. Yeah. There's once you get above like twenty dollars a bottle, it's all kind of the same. Yeah, my palate isn't that cultured. No. However, I could taste that this was an... I was like, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. this is an expensive wine. It was very delicious. (laughs) It really was. I think fondly of him and his his wine. I also made sure to make little drinking motions the next time he was getting crucified on the cross during the next performance. But that was just, you know... (laughs) As you do. As one does. It was one of the things we had fun with in that show is that... He was on the cross facing the audience. We were all facing him with our backs to the audience. And he had to look down at all of us as we were weeping and wailing, except that we weren't really weeping and wailing. We were trying to see if we could make him laugh. (laughs) There was, I I was once in in, uh, 
production of The Christmas Carol as the third ghost. Oh, the ghost of Christmas future. I was. You were death. I was death. And um, it was the salmon moose. Th- this was a really unfortunate production where the, the three ages of Scrooge were played by... There was a, a smaller, young, blonde kid... There was a brunette teenager, and then there was an Asian older oh. <laughs> Scrooge. So it, it was really, yeah, not the greatest production. It was but... sort of Picasso. Yeah, kind of. Like, oh, cubistic version of it. Yeah, it, it's this... This child grew up to be Asian somehow, but <laughs> so there I was playing the the third ghost, the ghost of Christmas Future, and I was really good at skull makeup at the time because you know as well. as the child I was, you know, um, I did my skull makeup very well on most nights, and the audience would usually never see it because I always. The, the idea was the, the hood was always down, and when the hood gets flipped up and, and Scrooge sees the face of the ghost, I was turned towards the back of the stage. And so my hair was all screwed up. And this was when I had super long hair, and, you know, my hair mm. was all dreaded and, and stuff and looked kind of scary from the back and all that. It, it was a kid's play, so he didn't need to terrify the children by me turning around. But anyway, there were certain nights where... Instead of doing the skull makeup, since he couldn't see my skull makeup until he flipped up the, the hood. <laughs> there, were, there was like one night I went, I'm going to do everything glitter. And I like painted <laughs> daisies all over my face and glitter and, and a big smile and <laughs> all this fucked up makeup. And he flips up the hood and, and the fight on his face. To look terrified <laughs> was delicious. I know, right? It was so delicious. When we did cabaret, the party scene where we we had to just sort of dance around in the in the background while all the exposition was happening in the foreground, mm-hmm. we were literally trying to undress each other on stage. Nice. As we were dancing, people would be unzipping dresses behind people, just like stop. <laughs> and so then you'd put your arms around a boy and you'd start unsnapping their suspenders. <laughs> Maybe putting a hand in their pocket. It was just, it was crazy pants. Mm. Dear listeners, when you go to the theater, watch what's happening in the chorus because I guarantee you something's happening in the chorus. <laughs> and the stage manager is going, What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Hold on, I'm having a Hoyt Axton moment here. Yeah, okay. What the fuck are you talking Melissa about? Melissa didn't understand my reference. No, I have no idea. There, there are so Pause. many. There are okay, so, what? There are so many popular songs that were written by Hoyt Axton that yeah. people just don't know. Like Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Okay. No shit. Yeah. Really. And and you know just I mean it, it's like whenever we're playing. Uh, uh, Trivial Pursuit. If you don't know who the person is who wrote the song in the question, just say Hoyt Axton because it was probably fucking him. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> or the Sherman Brothers. Or the Sherman Brothers. Or the Sherman Brothers. But no, so. Hoyt Axton. Is she? If she's seriously it, stuck on animation, just show her Watership Down. That really killed animation for me. <laughs> oh, my mom died. No, no. Wait, 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 wait. Plague dogs. My mom oh, wait, died. Wait, 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 wait. Watership Down for me for Easter. <laughs> oh God. Oh, Miyazaki. 
Grave of the Firefly. Grave of the Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I do not want my child to need therapy that badly. Thank but you fucking but, very much. How, how about weaning her on bed knobs and broomsticks? Oh, God. <laughs> I, yeah, that movie oh. fucked up. That's messed up, you asshat. I don't care if it was the Sherman Brothers who did the music. Yes, I know that. Yes, you do. Of course uh, I know that. When the do. Sherman Brothers show up in Saving Mr. Banks, I'm the only one in the theater going, it's the Sherman Brothers. Look at that, it's the Sherman Brothers. It's not really the Sherman Brothers, but those are actors playing the Sherman Brothers. I love them so much. I love them so much. I love the Sherman Brothers. Except for bedknobs and broomsticks, apparently. No, that, no. Their music was great, but bedknobs and broomsticks is a very problematic film. I agree. But the Sherman Brothers are the fucking shit. Do we all know who the Sherman Brothers are? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, we do now. We do. I don't know if the <laughs> listeners do. The okay. Sh- Winnie, Winnie. The Sherman Brothers wrote all of the great Disney music. All of it. If you can hum it. They wrote it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They wrote It's a Small World. They wrote Mary Poppins. They wrote The Jungle Book. Oh my God. Hi, they wrote the biggest earworm ever. They, they, if they, it's a small world if, if you hum it, chances are they wrote it because they had a gift for the earworm. And there is a moment in Saving Mr. Banks, which is perfect, where the character played by Emma Thompson is like, and those Sherman boys seduced me with songs. And I'm like, yes, that's what they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. They truly do because oh, they're God. so gifted. God, I love yeah, that. Yeah, they wrote everything, basically. I know, and, right? And if, Their yeah. music is just so fucking catchy. You're like, Fuck you, I can't stop singing it. No. Serbia isn't a real country. <laughs> FYI, if you haven't seen Jupiter Ascending, and you haven't because it's terrible, I actually kind of want to recommend it in this fashion when we're talking about glorious mistakes. Get together a group of about 10 friends who love movies. Make sure you all pregame, right? And that you have a bottle of wine to continue to fortify you as you continue through the experience and turn it up to 11 on your sound system at home and enjoy the fuck out of how stupid that movie is. (laughs) Oh, MG. And honestly, what you're going to enjoy most is that Eddie Redmayne won an Oscar the same year he delivered that performance. I'm kind of in love with that. That whole concept. <laughs> because during the, when we were watching the Oscars, needless to say, he won, he goes out there, he was adorable. Oh, yeah. And his speech was delightful. But the minute he started walking off, all of us are like, I would like to thank the Academy! <laughs> we did a Shyamalama Ding Dong intervention. That yeah, was a whole thing. Fuck Shyamalan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, right? It's like, <laughs> we had to watch. We had to sit through wide awake. I can't even rewatch his old film. I can't even rewatch Sixth Sense because I just have the baggage of where it went afterwards. Mm-hmm. No, I am fine with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. I'm not. I am really fine with those, and I even re- will rewatch Signs because I like half of that movie. I do. I mm-hmm. love. I love the character study with yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. I love a lot of what's I, going on with the family dynamics. I actually dynamics. love the kind of weird, odd, playful sense of humor. Yeah. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's actually what I like about, as mess as much of a mess as Lady in the Water is, I actually kind of like that it's just him making something funny. Mm-hmm. He's trying to. And I just kind of like that it's this odd, cute little, oh, look at you type of movie. Yeah. Oh, and the happening. I know. I, oh. oh my God, no. the happening. 
That happens. And he's, he's trying to make a trashy film and, and failing is, to make a trashy film. I was excited about him doing Avatar because I thought, oh, this is some doing something different so he can break out of that wheelhouse, so he can do something just kind of fun and goofy. And no, he just so, did it exactly the way he would do it. Somehow except, it's worse. Except With the very fact that you say, oh, Avatar, let's do something fun and goofy is like... Have you watched the cartoon? The cartoon is epic and magnificent, and they should have given it to somebody like, I don't know, James Cameron, who would understand the epic scope. I mean, you know, even Avatar does have that sense of humor. Oh, yeah, there's a great sense of humor in Avatar. Which, you know, he gets all the big epic scope, but he doesn't get the sense of humor that gives it grounding. Oh, we've talked about this before, is that he, he demonstrates from the moment they open their mouths... He has no understanding yeah. of this world because he can't even pronounce their names right. What's fascinating about After Earth is Peter David writing the novelization and just basically filling it all in with Peter David stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that remind me of Shyamalan's first film? Ah, fuck. What was his first film? Shyamalan's first oh, film? Oh, Wide Awake. Was Wide Awake. It it's was a, a terrible movie. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, nobody I know in this movie. He wants to find God, and actually God finds him, and the big twist, because Shyamalan always had a twist, even with his first movie, is it really was God, but nobody could see it. It's really terrible, and then you're like, wow. And then the second film was Sixth Sense. That's kind of was amazing. God played by David Bowie? No. But nobody could see him? But nobody could see him. So he might have been in it. You well, no, you could see him, but nobody else could see him. Okay. But it wasn't David Bowie. I'm sorry to tell you this, Pat. I'm sorry to break your bubble. My head movie is pretty good, I think. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm head, liking it. Your head movie is amazing. I would yeah. like to see your head movie. Uh, I just cast David Bowie as God. <laughs> that's that's great casting. I kind of love the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah. See, in the Philadelphia uh, Experiment. Note to self that belongs on the underappreciated movies. And yeah. I, Well, I've seen it. It is a kind of messy movie, but it is still a, just a really nice story. I think Michael Perret, it's one of his better films. I yeah. like Michael Perret. He had such a short career and he was so He's good. He's had a very long career. He's just had a very short, good career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about this? He he had such he's a short in, career where he was the leading the, man in good films. He's one of the few actors who's in almost every Uwe Boll film. Oh, he's one of his, he's one of Uve's favorite go-tos. But I mean, yeah, you had that brief period there where it's like you had that, you had Streets of Fire, you had Eddie and the Cruisers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You had a number of the, they were just trying to make him a star. He, he was kind of like the Taylor Kitsch of, of his day of like, you, they're trying to make this guy a star and it's just not yeah, quite. Yeah, he just never off. caught fire. Yeah. Or like, who's the guy who was in a uh, battleship and John Carter? Oh him, oh, that yeah. Dude. Where it's again, it's like they're he's suddenly like suddenly in a whole string of blockbusters where they're trying to make yeah, him a star, and it just doesn't catch on. Mm-hmm. There, well, and there, Michael Perret actually had some star quality, unlike the dude who was in Terminator Salvation and Avatar, uh, Clash oh, of the Titans. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Where I'm just like, uh, you keep trying to tell me this guy's a star, and I Which, keep not buying it. I don't think he's a bad it. actor. He's just very flat. But he's yeah. so flat. No. He's, it's not that he's a bad actor, except for the part where to be yeah. the lead in those movies isn't about acting. It's about right. and he was that a magical Shakespearean other. actor, too. Yeah, but yeah. he needs that magical <laughs> other, and he yeah. doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Whatever his name no, is. No, I've heard you guys mention in the past, I disagree with you. I actually really like the Clash of Titans remake. I know I'm <laughs> in the minority. Eh. It's barfy. I think it's an incredibly fun movie. It's, it's a mess of a movie. It mess, but I think the yes. original is a mess of a movie too. 
oh, it is such a mess. Yeah. But it is a glorious mess with Harry Hausenness and Laurence Olivier and Ursula Andress and oh, it's so much good stuff. <laughs> oh, it's got Burgess Meredith it is, it and it's Harry Hamlin's hair. Uh, so yeah. much Harry Hamlin's hair. Harry Hamlin is Honestly, just, no, the movie just so vacant. The oh, it's so vacant. It's yeah, so vacant. I love. I love. I love. Um, oh crap! What was it? I mean, there's the Sinbad movies. What was the other one he did? Where it's a uh, um, uh, Jason and the Jason Argonauts? the Argonauts. Thank you. Yeah. Jason the Argonauts. I is love it. It's like Sinbad B Team. <laughs> and the problem was, is that by the time you get to Clash of the Titans, it's like he's still just making a 1960s movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? I I didn't care. No, I know. It just I I just didn't it's think it held together as well. As we said earlier, it's not good. I think it's just great. Movie, you know. And it's not that it gels as a whole as much as you're like, look, it's Laurence Olivier. Look, it's Ursula Andress. See, I find a lot of people are either Clash of the Titans or Crawl, and I'm Crawl. Crawl. Oh, I'm totally Crawl. See, I love them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why you gotta be a? Why you gotta be a? Somebody who's got to pick. Get in Mark the Singer. Role. Mm-hmm. He was busy with. Oh, Mark Singer, Beastmaster. He would have been super fun. I don't know if you've ever watched the entirety of V, but I love how he's like extremely dramatic in the in the first miniseries, and then when it went to TV series, he's just camping it up like hell. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Well, the oh my god, the miniseries so jumped the shark. Like the second episode, <laughs> they did not. They were like, "Hey, we got a miniseries." No, they did the miniseries, and then they got a well, regular they, TV no, series. No, they, the, they did the first miniseries, and then they did a follow-up three-part miniseries where Kenneth Johnson got fired by the network, and they handed it over to other people. And that's where you suddenly get, like, the psychic hybrid baby mm-hmm. and, like, all this other crazy stuff. The first two-part the first two part miniseries is magnificent. Oh, the first, oh, the first miniseries is great. The second one is just where it just goes off the rails. Because the person who was running the entire thing is gone. Did they turn it into a TV series? And then they did a 13 episode TV series. Yeah, I just remember that there was a point where it just was like, we don't know what we're doing. And that's the thing is, yeah, the first few episodes of that are just, they have no idea where they are. They're just wandering around. And then they're just like, oh, wait, we can be campy. And so they just start throwing in like cliffhangers and soap opera twists. And like a lot of the focus is on the aliens just having like these big Game of Throny tongue in cheek battles against one another. And it becomes this magnificent show that's horrible, but it's it's like a great soap opera. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. There's the uh, half alien baby who has magic powers and then she wants to date. I remember that. I really do remember that. Yeah. Of course. There's inherent vice, which I love. Inherent vice. I know, boy, people <laughs> I did love not it so like. Much. People did not it. like it. I feel like people didn't get it. Oh, they don't get it. They don't I, get I, it at all. Love it. I had, I had, I had to digest it for a day, yes. and then I wound up really liking it. We, we are so doing inherent vice for uh, real education noir when it comes yes. out. Yes, we are so doing. Oh, I want to watch it again. Oh, yeah. it again. Well, and the most mostly I want it. Like everybody who bitched about it, I'm like. Did you pay? Did you try to pay attention to the plot? It's like a tone poem. People just calm the fuck down. It's not about the plot. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's it, it's a it's based on a pension novel for Christ's sakes. It's all about the world is just doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't. <laughs> you really, just I do still want a supercut of all of Joaquin Phoenix's reactions. I just want that just on a loop. I just want a supercut of Josh Brolin eating a chocolate frozen banana. <laughs> I know. El Pancaco. <laughs> <laughs>
you don't call them furries, right? It's I saw Plushies. that exchange on well, yeah. Facebook. Page. Yeah, but I don't I cuz my understanding well, was that cuz furries are just people who enjoy anthropomorphic animal fandom, okay. right? And it's not sexualized. Okay. There is a fandom for sexualizing that and I th- those are yiffers. Y- are those yiffers? Those are yiffers and then the plush, well they're plushy, well the term plushies refers to just like plush toy animals, but there there's a whole thing for Having sex, know, having sex in with people in costume. Well, the, the having sex with people in costume, those are the yiffers. But yeah. there's also a thing for having sex with the stuffed animals. And that's They're, plushies? They, yeah. The inanimate okay, stuffed animals. Because she used to go to a furry con, so she I would know. Do. I yeah. still do, because it's the best people watching in the world. But um, Well, they're, I mean, I'm, their costumes yeah. are great. They're oh, yeah. super into their fandom. They're wonderful people. And then, like any other fandom on the far extremes, it becomes... And I, yeah, when I say extreme, lot. it's not judgy. It's just, you know... On in, in any fandom, people sexualize things like mm-hmm. every, you know people sexualize Leia in the gold bikini, right? Mm-hmm. I sexualize Robert Downey Jr. as we all know. Yes, but you know they're the the people who do the puppets, the paw pets, which, which is a term that makes me twitch a little. P A W P A W P E T S. That that. That just that, but what are, what? what are they? There are sex the dolls yeah, making a sex doll that is an animal. You know, there's a lot to recommend it. I'm just gonna say <laughs> that there's a lot to recommend it. You're not doing it to a real animal, it's a victimless yeah. crime. It's it's True. not a crime, but that's the point is that well, there's no if stuffed crime. animals could talk, they might have a different opinion. <laughs> Now you've turned Toy Story into a whole thing. Jesus. Can we extend the the franchise to teddy bears? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Poor lots of love and lots. Build a bear? Did Build a Bear get no, new context for you? No, Toy Story three. Oh, the the, 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 the Care Bear analog. The the lots of love and he smells like strawberries. <laughs> I understand his bitter need for revenge now oh dear and also it's how bondage should be done (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was waiting for i want to point out as a woman that there's this whole trope of you want a man who lasts forever not me actually that would be exhausting i would like it if we could be done in like five to twenty minutes yeah i don't want tarkovsky sex seriously i I really don't Because I am hetero, I am behind the curve so often on proper usages because I don't need to use them. Yeah. And and so now I'm like, oh, people are using queer. What does queer mean? I actually had to look it up. I'm like, wait, there are so, because somebody in an article was like, I identify as queer. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I had to go look it up. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a great word. Yeah. It's kind of a catch-all bucket outside of the regular heteronormative yeah it's yeah. just like i'm queer you know what if you tell me that that tells me everything i need to know right which is i'm not heteronormative and great anything any details that may happen to pop up beyond that great that's all i needed mm-hmm. excellent because it yeah. could be you're right i'm a lesbian but i'm only a lesbian if it's a male to female transition because that's a thing mm-hmm. i suppose yeah you know people who in particular love trans so i i can't i don't know because i'm blinkered by my own experience or it could be you know one person in love with another person no matter what parts they have yeah 
She's like, I love you wherever you go, whatever you may be. Yeah. Like yeah. in Orange is the New Black, um, the the trans character, the black woman, mm-hmm. and the flashbacks they show when he when she was a man married to a woman and how that woman was trying to be supportive of the transition. I I really like those scenes, but I and I like how they also show the difficulties inherent in somebody who is heteronormed identifying like I w- I love you and I want to be with you, but I am not a lesbian and so this is going to be difficult. Mhm. Because I kind of do want to be married to a man. But I love you. So how do we deal with that? <laughs> Strap-ons. Okay. I know. That would fix it, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. So simple. So simple. Nineteen ninety-five off of Amazon. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like... We... <laughs> Are they really nineteen ninety-five? I haven't looked it up. I know. I, they're seem, probably a lot like, more expensive It than seems that. like a fair price. That seems like a bargain. Let's be honest. It does seem like a bargain. Yeah, having, only having... for Amazon Prime. But only you can for... get it in two days. <laughs> It's yeah. it's the gold box. Well, no, special. if you if you actually want like the hundred percent uh, medical silicone, that's like more in the seventy dollar range. Well, uh, yeah, you know. Oh. Just... So anyway, well, if you're I haven't, get I haven't... It, get the quality. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had to all agree. The hard, cheap plastic, nobody enjoys that. Oh, I haven't had to buy a whole lot of strap-ons well, the... in my life. I don't. Know. <laughs> oh, poor Calvin. I don't know where. To... I don't know where to begin. <laughs> Do I just do I just go to the store and buy like the demo model because it's cheaper or something? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the display model. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you go to the stores that have the try me then buy me wall? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you don't really know what you want, you know what's weird is being. In a movie theater and knowing that everybody around you has been given either a vibrator or a fleshlight. <laughs> I've had that experience. And so have I. And just like, whoa, that's a thing that just happened. <laughs> Fleshlights are creepy. Fleshlights are <laughs> really creepy. Toys for heterosexual men are inherently creepy. I don't think there's any way to decreepify them. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, sex dolls... I don't think anyone ever actually uses them. I think they're just they're junk no. items. Yeah. Kelvin, I hate to tell you this. There are there are probably there are definitely people who use them. Okay. Or at least they try. And not I don't know anybody who has told me that they have, but the fact that they keep making them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that they keep well, is there still Spencer gifts? I was gonna say. They keep making them because Spencer gifts, but no, they're they're a thing. I mean, you could they're still they still pop up in the cheaper. Well, they have the blow up sheep. Sex. Oh, you they have kidding? the blow up sheep. Yeah. They have a blow up sheep. I feel like that would be easier to have sex with than a doll. That's probably well. I mean, yeah. You just kind of you can it. grip it. Yeah. Yeah, men are trying to have sex with Sanders in the couch cushion, so I feel like believe that a sex doll is. Like and, and cantaloupes. We're we're cantaloupe. we're an odd bunch. You put a hole in a cantaloupe and oh god! <laughs> oh my god! What? Why? How am I the pioneer in this concept in this group? <laughs> well, how did you end up knowing about cantaloupes? 
cantaloupes. Did somebody just go FYI cantaloupes? And you're like, oh, well, that's good to know. My friend Rock and Roll Ray, of course. <laughs> just talking about- yeah, go to hell. Uh, go, go to hell fame yep go to hell fame did i tell you about when i met him no oh my god okay so after i broke up with chris like two weeks after i broke up with chris like there was one night i set up an okay cupid account okay and a few days later like this was the 22nd of february 2009 i remember it this guy contacts me and he on okay cupid and he goes I'm not interested in dating or anything like that, but I saw your profile and I have to ask, what was the song that Vincent Price was singing at the end of the abominable Dr. Fibes Strikes Again? And I went, of course, it's Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And he goes, oh. <laughs> like i had to pass the geek test for him and and then and then we just hit it off and then like a few days later we just got together and watched movies together and like the night that he sent me an email i kept looking at his picture going i know him from somewhere i know him from somewhere and when we finally met I went I've seen you buck naked in a movie, haven't I? And he goes, yes, you've seen Go to Hell. And I said, yes, I've seen Go to Hell. (laughs) (laughs) You are running through a cemetery buck naked. It's like, yep, all right. Well, now that we've passed these bars, (laughs) these these hurdles in any sort of interpersonal relationship, I've already seen you naked. You know my geek credentials. We can move forward. Yeah, it's always been platonic. We just get together and watch movies and... (laughs) And the, the, the day we met, we we have named our awesome bursary. <laughs> <laughs> so like every uh every February twenty second we uh send messages back and forth. Happy awesome bursary, even though we haven't talked to each other all year. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause uh. it's awesome. We still don't have any listener questions to share with you because you people are still being oddly shy and reticent. No no I know you are listening. I know you are. I know you are. I wrote because, in, you can too. Because seriously, whenever I post on my Facebook and I share a Xanadu Cinema, there are certain people who always pop up with a like. And I have to think that that means that they are listening. And if you're liking the Facebook, you should be listening. And if you're listening, you should be liking. And no matter what, in that Venn diagram, you should be answering. That's what I have to say about that. I'm looking at you, Coli. That's right. Important service announcement from Wendy. There was a lot of pointing. Also pointing. Good okay. radio. So, <laughs> so much radio. Okay, so so outro. Uh, <laughs> Don't walk. walk Away is one of the best songs ever. Don't walk away. All you gotta do is stay. Is it a dream? When will it end? A lonely room where empty days are gathering to meet me when you're gone. Gone! How in the world will I go on? (laughs) Don't walk away! Don't walk away! Don't say goodbye. Don't say goodbye. Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Don't let it die. Don't let it die. When shadows fall. When shadows fall. When day is done. (laughs) 
Soundtrack for Xanadu, available on CBS Records. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Thank you all for joining me there. That's exactly where my brain went. <laughs>